And welcome into Kindred Spirits here on the RFK Refugees Podcast Network. It's been a, a little while since we've done a, a spirit podcast, I think. it's Yep, apologies, folks. <laughs> apologies, but we are here to do a sort of season recap. Um, I I was putting, I will take, I will fall on the sword on this. I was put in charge of trying to do, if you were expecting the season recap that you got for the DC podcast, I will the fall six on page, the sword. Six page. <laughs> I, I, I will fall on the sword there. I only really had time to do a, a brief summary um, of some of the players and we'll get into some roster stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, so, but uh, more of a season of, of, of off the field news. I think DC was still other than the taxi situation, um, maybe a little bit with Asada, but, but more, I think more off the field related than what was the day to day matches. It was a, a, a disappointing season to say the least. Uh, but if those of you who don't listen to DC podcast first, John, how are you doing my friend? How was your weekend? Hope it was I'm, good. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, this weekend. I didn't watch any replays of DC United games. So <laughs> an immediate improvement on the previous weekend. I have to say that for sure. How about you? Um, it's, it was, it was good. It was watching soccer. It was, uh, refereeing and, um, it was, it was a good, uh, a good weekend, a good weekend to say the least. So glad, happy to get into some to talk and talk. Even if it's bad, it's still. I think this one. I think I have more hope of this one uh, of maybe some hope that 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 this team can turn it around. Um, let's start. Let's start. Uh, let's start right into it then. Let's talk. Let's talk spirit. Let's start reviewing the reviewing the season. So obviously, last season to twenty twenty one because we're still in the season. The final will be in DC. Oh, by the way, say, uh, any of our listeners who are going to be at the final uh please dm me right now i will give you a whole packet of kindred spirit stickers <laughs> and i will i will express that i will express mail to them to you so they're there by friday if you're willing to do that we'll release this show on tuesday so we give you enough time for the mail to get there yep. help a help help a guy out who did not get who did not apply for a credential to go cover the game because i have work boo. yeah boo boo work but um but yeah, the spirit, uh, of course, coming off a championship in a weird season last year in 2021, I think, to to say the least. Uh, obviously, the ownership situation really taking front and center um, with the, you know, the whole situation of Richie Burke being fired and sort of some revelations about sort of the internal structure of the ownership, um, about how players were treated under that ownership. Um, I think that's really been sort of an underrated aspect um, in the NWSL, a lot of, a lot of talk about Rory Dames, uh, a lot of the focus on, on Richie Burke and, and rightly so, but I think also just the nature of how the players really felt like they were not listened to, um, under, under the Steve Baldwin, uh, ownership era. Um, but that was settled. That was settled, uh, I believe, uh, close to, or, or, uh, soon after the championship game, if I remember correctly, um, Michelle Kane pulling off a, uh, incredible uh, coup, could say the least, uh, with some of the minority owners uh, wrestling the the voting the voting share to make yourself the owner and becoming the owner. And let's not let's not forget to mention. I think it always has to always always has to be uh, reinforced when this happens or when we talk about this. This was entirely a grassroots effort by the mm-hmm. by the team fans. They did this. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I don't you don't want to give credit to one person or whatever, but there was a, there was a small group of people who were dedicated enough to just not drop it and to come to every game and come with signs and get in the media and put their story out there. And without that pressure, this would not have happened. And I remember, you know, I'll put my hand up and remember at the time being like, this is not going to do it, guys. It's a sports. It's a sports. Uh, you know, I'm surrounded by Dan Snyder and and mm-hmm. other owners that are hated all over the place. And unless you get caught saying a racist thing on on tape to your girlfriend 
Like you're not, you're not going to have to be forced to sell your team. It just doesn't happen. Well, and it, they did, they did it. They just by people power. It was really kind of amazing. I, I had to not forget that anytime I think about it. Well, so, and, and not to, not to, not to minimize the fans to uh, minimize the fans too much, but the players also, I mean, they put out statements. I mean, you very rarely, you, you never see that in sports, someone stepping up for their, where they're under contract with and saying, you know, you, you don't see Carson Wentz or, right. um, Terry, Terry, I can't think of Terry McLaughlin. He's think he still plays for, for the Washington football team. You don't see them putting out statements and saying like, you know, oh, we, uh, you know, we, we, uh, object to Dan Snyder's ownership and think you should sell because you don't, you know, essentially it's, it's biting the hand that feeds you, which is your, your pay and your contract. So I think that also played a pretty significant role sure. of them, of them coming out and saying, you said you would, you know, we we trust Michelle, we trust her as an owner, we want you to sell to her directly. So, I'm curious if they would have if the fans didn't start it. It's very true. Yeah. You know, like I feel like they kind of gave them permission. Like the the fans are behind us and we know we feel this way. So we know that we're gonna have support, you know, outside of these walls. You know, hard to say, and I don't think any of them would say on the record that like, you know, that's that that's the thinking, but that is my personally held belief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's certainly a um, uh, that's a, that's certainly an interesting. That's certainly a, a probably a pretty true point, and with the fans putting the pressure and sort of starting starting the ball rolling and seeing how effective it is, and the players like, hey, we can we can we can we can add gasoline to this fire and really get it going. And um, I think they pushed some minority owners. Um, I think honestly, uh, one thing I think is Steve Baldwin is the maker of his own of his own grave. He was desperate for money. I think. And so he sold off all these minority shares to, you know, all these different people and eventually allowed, but, you know, thinking, oh, they'll just be small minority owners, uh, but essentially allowed them to accrue enough where, um, where Michelle Kane could essentially swoop in, convince them, hey, I have a vision for this team, sell me your shares and, um, you know, I'll convert them to voting shares and I will be able to take control. So, well, I think even I think in another point of that, too, is he brought Michelle King on to be a third level owner. Yes. Like she she had I don't know if it was 30 percent or 25 percent, but he basically thought that she would just sit there and, you know, be on the calls and, you know, be happy to be there. And then she started to speak up and say, like, this is what I want to have happen or I think this is wrong. We should change this. And he was like, crap. I didn't, you know, I just wanted your money. I didn't want your opinion. Uh, yeah. And then, and then it moved on from there. But yeah, I think it is funny how it's just a series of rakes that he stepped on. Exactly. Uh, to have, to, to have him not own the team anymore. Serious glorious rakes. But that was last year. Um, let's, let's get into this year. So honestly, we all thought skies are rosy. This team is, you know, coming off a championship, you know, it, a championship way ahead of schedule. I think, I think is, I don't think anybody anticipated this team. They were talented. They had they had some good runs, but I don't think anybody anticipated this team with all the the turmoil and the ownership uh, going on the run that they went on um, to sort of to sort of win that championship. Uh, Chris Ward returned as coach. We'll get to him in a minute. Uh, but I think everybody kind of thought, you know, this team has something that maybe they can. And I think I was thinking at the time, I mean, we talk about how dominant the North Carolina Courage were, you know, a few a few, you know, a few years ago, again, under coach Paul Riley. Uh, which a lot of horrible things going on there, but you know they had a very talented squad, and I think a lot of us thought that this team could sort of, you know, in this new era of NWSL, be that sort of dynasty. Because um, it really is, in, in my mind, it, we're we are we are entering very much a new era. I don't I don't know if I can classify like NWSL before twenty twenty one 
as as like the same league as it is now because it's it's changed so dramatically just in who's running who's running clubs who's running ownerships um but we think we all thought this team could be dominant um and uh the team did uh part ways uh with ben olsen as president of soccer operations uh that was kind of the uh uh, with ben olsen as for as president of soccer operations so he was shown the door um and i think many of us kind of thought that was yeah that's that's probably fine. I think Michelle Kane wants to bring in, you know, her own players. Uh, ben also did get a little criticism for taking the job under the situations that he took the job um, with the ownership trying to play smoke and mirrors. Um, but yeah, Ben Olsen gone. Still a good guy, John. Someone you met, someone you think personally, and he's got a he's got potentially a job as Houston Dynamo coach coming up. So yeah, I, I you know the weird part is that they it was a mutual decision to have him leave. And then she didn't fill the role until halfway of the season. Yeah. Which is interesting because it puts them in a position where they didn't have any hands on the wheel to make roster decisions at the beginning of the year. Um, uh, so I think that potentially a tactical mistake because it was basically just Chris Ward in charge of all player movement. So that's a, that's something to think about Yeah, as we move and, forward. And I believe that's, we also got the sort of the new contracts that were signed. Uh, the two most notable being Ashley Sanchez signing a new contract, uh, getting a pretty nice pay bump. I don't know if her salary has ever been made public. It's I know not. the big the big headline salary, um, of course, was uh, Trinity Rodman, uh, who won, had a Rookie of the Year campaign, uh, really exploded onto the seat in 2021, has earned national team call-ups, uh, got a brand new four-year, $1 million contract. Um John, you found you found I feel like that's an important part to bring up some interesting stats that you found. You actually you have found, I guess, a a, a sentiment of, of what the what the salary cap is in the NWSL. Why don't yes. you tell the listeners how, how much that salary cap yes, is? Yes, folks. Yes, folks. The salary cap max for the NWSL clubs is one point one million dollars, according to sporttech.com. So uh, for those of you who are keeping track at home, uh, that's like. I don't know. That's like true two Drew Skundriches uh, <laughs> for for an entire roster of the the top women's league in the entire world. So, uh, you know, after we sort out the fact that coaches are no longer abusing players, we should then move next to uh, let's let's uh, let's turn to speak it up on yeah. the money a little bit. And you talk about, you know, maybe why this team didn't make moves. You know, th- this was very clear. This team needed help, I think, about midway through the year. But you didn't see really any movement. Um, players mainly left like there wasn't uh, there wasn't a whole lot of sort of any sort of any sort of chance to make a move. And it's kind of clear now to see that, that if, if that is a million dollars is the salary cap. And I don't know if, if Trinity Rodman, if, if they have like a, a designated player rule, I don't know if it was we want to keep Trinity Rodman in this league. So sign her and we'll you know, we'll we'll give you some sort of cap hit. But I mean, right now she's making you know, with no other information, she's making a quarter one, of the roster, a quarter of the roster salary before the allocation money, which is around five hundred thousand dollars. So that is that is incredible um, amount of to put on to put on one player. And you can sort of see that as maybe sort of the beginning of uh, a decline, uh, I think, in this in in this team and and just not having the ability to be flexible. They had the roster they had. They thought it was a championship roster. Um, I think they made the fatal mistake that everyone else was going to look to get better. Um, and you, and we've seen it time and time again with DC where they've, you know, stood firm, said, Oh, we're fine. We made the playoffs. We will, you know, these guys are going to improve and we're just going to have, you know, improvement in the guys that we have. And then they completely fall off the cliff. Um, I think we saw a bit of that this year. Can I just say 
how is it that every MLS club is not banging on the NWSL's door to say, let me operate a club. My outlays for salaries are nothing. Uh, the, the T if I already own my stadium, the, 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 that's nothing. If I have, it's just, it's, it's insane. Like I think about Austin, I think about Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I think about a whole bunch of sort of notoriously enthusiastic men's soccer locales that have access and control of their stadiums. Like, Oh my God, this is just money printing. It's that like, think about the money that San Diego and Los Angeles or angel city are able to bring in with the enthusiasm that they have. And you know, they're paying nothing. They're paying nothing. They're paying beans. It's crazy. Sorry. It, it's just nuts. It, one thing, you know, one thing I will say, I think a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with, I, I mean, we, we do see some teams, you know, we do have a, the situation in Portland, um, whole nother situation there. I think you do see, you do see a certain sentiment, I think amongst, you know, a, a lot of, and a lot of, you know, women's soccer fans talk about how, you know, they don't want to be just sort of offshoots of an NBA owner. Um, Cause I think they want people who are committed to the club. Uh, one thing I think that has, I'm glad has kind of changed is there was very much a hostile attitude towards uh, towards NWSL clubs because they they viewed them as competition in the market, uh, that they were competing for soccer eyeballs in the market. And it sounds silly, and it is it is silly, but I think there was some thinking amongst a lot of these owners, and I think that's changed. I think it's changed now. I think they're starting to realize that you know people will watch both. They'll pay attention to both. I think they're uh, less of a money loser too now. Yeah, the league. I think it's just turned it. They've just turned a leaf in that respect. But let's get true. back to the spirit. Let's get back to the spirit. Um. So <laughs> it's a, again, I wonder why we're trying to avoid talking about this particular <laughs> team. Um, so again, it seemed to be like things were like going to discontinue. This was going to be a maybe not a team that wins a championship, but certainly a competitive team. Um, I, I think is what everybody had in the head. So only the goal was to, to make the playoffs and, and to potentially make another run. Uh, they seem to have you know found a unearth a, a gem in Chris Ward. Everything seemed you know very happy on the sidelines. Uh, everything seemed to be going well. The the team for their success. Uh, got a lot of recognition. Uh, Rod Rodman, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. Kingsbury and Sanchez all getting sort of uh, U.S. Uh, women's national team debut call ups. Um, so they had they went from having two players that would get call ups um, regularly. Andy Sullivan maybe being the fringe to seven, and we'll get into that in a minute of why that was such a significant thing. Um, they played in the Challenge Cup. It was sort of slow goings. Uh, we would sort of have an interview with Chris Ward and said, Chris Ward basically stating to the to the effect that, uh, you know, he was using this as a preseason. Uh, but they managed to sneak into the semifinals. And once you have two wins to win a to win a uh, to win a championship, you're going to go for it. Uh, they played a zero zero draw against OL Reign at um, Audi Field, despite being the perennial, um, despite being the sort of wild card seed that snuck into the semifinals. Uh, apparently there was a, I think a conflict um, at where the Ola rain were playing. So they had to play. They basically had to play it at Audi field, um, which is a little weird. And, and the challenge cup as a whole, I think as the season has gone on, it's kind of more in the rear view mirror. And now it's going to maybe come front and center next year. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> they got to make some changes to that challenge cup. I mean, and we don't talk about it just because it killed, I think a lot of momentum for, for the spirit just absolutely Murder them in their next schedule. I'm thinking about the NWSL commissioner going in front of a TV and saying, "Here at the NWSL, uh, have made we realize that some things have to change, and we're making a lot of reforms 
to the th- the ways that we operate. Of course, we're talking about the Challenge Cup, uh, and here <laughs> and not not any of the other things that we're not not what you think we're talking about. We have well, changes to the Challenge Cup. My my biggest thing is with the Challenge Cup, rather than it being sort of a preseason tournament that you're kind of like trying to like shove into the beginning of the year before your season starts. Number one, if you're going to play it preseason, it should absolutely not be bleeding over into the regular season. Make it shorter. If make you're it do with that. Yeah, make it shorter. Or honestly, extend it out. We have we have middle of the season cup ties, cup games that we play, that we play all the time in men in 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 men's soccer. We have a league cup, we have a US Open Cup. Nothing like that exists for women's soccer. I think it would be and I think the reason they don't do that is because I think then coaches would choose to rest certain players or they would choose to not take it seriously. And I think they want to keep it as sort of a main game, but you know, honestly invite, invite another international club, turn it into like, invite some clubs from league MX, invite some club, a club from Europe to like participate uh, throughout. I mean, league MX would be the obvious choice throughout the season. Um, again, I, I think, I think women's soccer is crying out for some sort of like open cup or some sort of, you know, league cup turned it it's into like a that fake champions league. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Keep the financials in there. You know, but turn it into something like that. We'll see. I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll still play it at the beginning of the season. Be very double, curious to see. double elimination knockout tournament where you're, you're seated in relation to where you finished last year. And every team is guaranteed. It, or I guess you got to figure out a way to like max up the number of games they play. But get rid mm-hmm. of group stage. Get rid of like, yeah, I, I think max max teams that they should play is four. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think do regular season finish play, play some knockout games, call it a day. I think, yep. I think, I think if you're going to put it in the beginning of the year, um, again, the team did again, everything seemed rosy and gold and the team did make the final. They made the final playing against the North Carolina courage. They did uh, fall to them two to one. Um, the biggest, the more, more headline story that came out of it um, is the uh, incident involving Jordan Baggett, who uh, had a scary collision with a head. Uh, she very clearly was knocked unconscious. Uh, it was scary, scary to look at on the TV. And then of course the, the criticism of how quickly the, um, I forgot the, about this until you mentioned it, by the way. Yeah. The, the first responders, how quickly they got on the field. You had the players running with the cart to try to make them go quicker. Um, I don't, I think she didn't return until later in the year. So it was I'm certainly, lo- I was just about to look for that. Yeah, it, it was, it was, it was very, a very, very much a, a scary incident. And again, um, it sort of became a, an omen for the rest of the year because, uh, because the team did make this run in the challenge cup, Again, it was during the regular season. Um, I believe before the knockout stage, they played against the the Oil Rain in one two to one. Uh, it would be their first win of the regular season and their last until uh, until September. I'll get into some 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 sad stats. Uh, it's a couple sad stats that sort of uh, exemplify that. Um, but I think then they they had to push one game. I tried to like look to see which game they pushed. I really couldn't find much. I'm pretty sure it was a game against Chicago that got moved. Um, so then they were thrown into uh, probably one of the most horrendous schedules. I think any professional team that does not play in Europe and does not have to travel cross country or have to, you know, do significant traveling. Um, I mean, yes, teams in people will say, well, teams in Europe play, play this type of schedule sometimes, you know, when they have cup games and champions league and everything like that. Uh, yeah, but you know, they, you know, man city plays man United. They have a small bus ride across town. Um, when, when the Washington spirit play Gotham and Gotham, they have to get on a train and travel two, three hours. Um, so travel, travel significant. Um, 
just want to, before you say, I just want to run out some stats. So for May, uh, May 15th to June 17th, 33 days, they played nine games. That averages to one game every 3.67 days. So one game every three days. You cannot possibly hope to run any type of training session. You cannot possibly hope to run anything. And the team definitely was impacted by that. Some hard luck. They went 0-6-3 uh, during this run, this run of games. Uh, and I think that's where it became pretty clear that if this team, this team was going to have to have some sort of magic of a turnaround to even have hopes of, of making it up. So it was a, a horrible schedule for the Spirit, and they absolutely suffered for it. I don't right. remember what I was going to say now. We just keep going. Okay, sorry. It's fine. <laughs> Happens. Um, and of course, the ma- the major thing that came out of this, I think, was the team pulled out of the International Challenge Cup. Uh, this was something I think, John, you and I were very excited to see. So okay. uh, they they won. I say one because there's not really a qualification, but it's generally understood that you know for this Champions Cup, they invite the winner. I think they invite they have a host team, or they invite the Supporter Shield winner which i think this time was portland and then they invite the um uh the the nwsl championship winner um so in this case the spirit were that team and they won the right to basically participate in this tournament um unfortunately due to the schedule um due to how poorly the season was going uh the team decided that it was better to have their team rest and try to see if this team could go on a run um to to uh to pick up to pick up some points um then came the uh the sort of second, I call it second, second part of the season, second, third. It actually, it really was not as many games. I thought it was a lot more games. It was like really like only three or four games they played this. But obviously this was during the uh, CONCACAF Women's Champ- Championship, um, which again, it's still, it's still baffling to me that MLS can like get away with this a little bit because, you know, they are a much lower tier tier league when it comes to this. But NWSL has to start taking breaks during international breaks. Like they have to like, cause you're, you're having, you're having this team that, that started poorly this season. So, you know, you can say, well, play better in this season and you know, nothing will happen, but then they lose, uh, they lost seven players. So, uh, trying to find, I think I routed off, routed off the list. They lost, uh, Ashley Sanchez, Trinity Rodman, Kelly O'Hara, Ashley Hatch, Andy Sullivan, um, and, uh, Aubrey Kingsbury, and uh, what was I think I actually I wrote Sullivan twice. I think I actually I missed that. I'm trying to remember, was it Stab? No, it wasn't Stab, right? Hatch, Sanchez, Rodman, mm-hmm. uh, Sullivan, Kingsbury, O'Hara, Sonnet, seven. Sonnet, Sonnet was the one I missed. So I'm a Sonnet. So imagine, I don't know. Imagine Manchester. Think of like the seven best players for Manchester United. And then imagine them completely gone from the team for when you're trying to figure out a way to pull, pull this season around. Um, it's, it's horrible. Key differential there is that when you go to the eighth player on Manchester city, they are a full international for a top 10 international side. When you go eight deep on the spirit, it's a person making $26,000 who just graduated from college, who is now a starter on this team. That's that that that's the thing I was going to say before about sort of the criticism between comparing Europeans, the European schedule is to play three games in a week and they're happy about it. It's because the depth on those teams can support the the rotation. It can't, at least on this. If you have a player making a quarter of a million dollars a season, you you can't do that. There's yeah. not it's not it's not gonna be possible. And if you want to say then that's a poor roster construction. OK, well, then how do you keep Trinity Robin and, and NWSL? 
What do you do? Do you just yeah. let her go? Yeah, I don't think that's what you want to do either. So that that we'll talk about it at the end when we go through the roster. But like it is just with a salary cap that low, the challenge in creating attractive soccer in during international breaks that they just refuse to stop during is is nearly impossible. It's also always when it's hot, too. So it's it's hot players who are probably not at that tier and fixture condition. It's just a, it's a disaster, I think. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's ugh. it's horrible. The team was forced to call in several replacement players to sort of cover this roster to give them at least 18. I, who knows like how I have no idea. If, like, again, another hard thing about MLS, like about NWSL, I should say, is just the the absolute like we have no idea what this team's salary cap is. We can guess they didn't make many signings. They can't have had that much cap to actually bring anybody in. Um, you know, it's it's. Yeah, it's 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 hard to know, like where that money came from. Was this like a pool of money that? Yes. OK, we got to play some games during this roster break. But here's five hundred thousand dollars for you to try to sign some players to cover that. Is there a a, a a pay that goes for that? Who knows? I mean, there's no semblance of these rules. I don't think we do, I think we just found out what the free agency rules were like literally just a, a couple weeks ago. They actually figured all that out. So. Um, this team from a th- this organization, I understand like this organization is I mean, right now we have we have the uh, the Sally Yates report that came out. And then, of course, we have we're going to have the NWSL report. I just feel like this 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 organization, the league itself is kind of caught between trying to manage these fires that just keep springing up with with front office staff, with coaches with everything that they're just trying to 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 get that rod out of there they have no time to actually take a look and say okay how can we build a structure that is fairer that gives teams opportunities while also sort of maintaining a level of of, comp- of competitive balance that we're not just opening the floodgates to michelle kang much as i would love that now because i think we would have one of the owners that would literally buy everybody and would would, would wouldn't care um you know, I think it's 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 they're they're kind of stuck trying to do that. And they're also caught between, you know, I, I think if this league existed in 96 when MLS came about and was still around, I think we'd have a lot of those things figured out. I think it would be more like what MLS looks like now, which while people can argue whether it's bad or good, at least now it makes a heck of a lot more sense. You can actually do some sort of analysis on certain trades. You can't do that in MDS. You have no idea about anything. So, um by the way, the the list they did get released. There are some spicy names on this free agent list that, again, if we knew what the the salary cap situation <laughs> was, we could say. But you know, players like Dabinia, Tobin Heath, mm. Estelle Johnson, Christine Sinclair, who is old but still is available, uh, McCall Zarboni, who won Defender of the Year, I believe, the year before this one. I like the uh, defensive options. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, Jalen Daniels is available if you want. If you want to go that route uh, for defenders, no, we do need. We do need no, a left back. Uh, no, and Morgan, Morgan no. Gautreau. Um Yeah, there's some names here. I, it's just a matter of you know, none of these are national team players anymore. I, I think Dabinia probably plays for Brazil still. Mm-hmm. But and Tobin Heath does Tobin Heath is, is she still international? I don't think she is. I, I think she's yeah. I think that's been still Johnson been plays for Jamaica, I believe still. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like these are play. I would love to get a just a good league player that is uh, not going to be gone for a third of the season every year. That would that's worth the money. Yeah, pay for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And here's another thought to this. I'm actually I've thought about this a lot. 
Um, and I think I think this is there are workings going on here. Um, it is absolutely time for CONCACAF women on the women's side to have a proper World Cup qualification. Just you can make it you you can say, well, some of the you know organizations don't you know, some of these more poor organizations don't have the money. OK, fine. Figure it out. Give them the money. You have the money, CONCACAF or FIFA. Figure it out. Uh, this, the, this whole, like, you know, neutral site tournament, um, I'm sure, I'm sure it would impact the U S women's team because during, I'm sure they would love to schedule friendlies against teams, you know, better competition like France, like we saw with Spain. Um, but I think it's time, it's high time for this to have sort of a normal international break qualification tournament. You can figure out friendlies in the middle of some of those you, you they've done it before, um, I think it is is high time for this to be a thing that happens for the next uh, for the next World Cup because I think the current system is just is just bonkers in, in a lot of ways. So and it just it makes no sense anymore. Quick international side, uh, boy, it seems like the rest of the world caught up to the U.S. team lately, didn't it? Is it? Do you think it, it's well, Flacco it's... or do you think it's just the 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 rise the sea rising has lifted the boats? Well, we say we say catch up. All national teams go through cycles. And I think a lot of people, I think we've been we've been spoiled tremendously. Yes, for sure we have. By the fact that we've had a the US women's team win back-to-back World Cups to it's be a long so cycle. Com- <laughs> to be so competitive. But we forget that the last time, I mean, yes, they had some some gold medals, you know, sort of sprinkled in there. But the last time this team won a World Cup uh before 2015 was 1999. So it's it's you're talking 2003, uh, 2007, and uh, you're talking uh, 2011. They made the final that year, so that was kind of the beginning. But they had three years where, so I mean, this, they all operate in cycles. I think the U.S. women's team is in a bit of a transitional period. I think they're dealing with the same things they dealt with in '99, which is how do you, you know, how do you sort of transition into your newer, younger players while still maintaining the competitiveness that you expect. Um, I, I think, I think at the end of the day, they will be, they will be fine. Um, you can't be dominant, but for so long and women's soccer, they we've seen them have sort of peaks and valleys. And I think they're in that transitional period. I think this would be more of a test of what is the NWSL bringing as far as talent also have to remember, I think the Sally Yates report dropped right before those matches. And I believe, um, I think it was, was it, um, I forget who came out, but a player came out and said uh, the players aren't doing well right now. Like very much mentally, they are not doing well. Um, so I, I think I, I won't say that was, you know, they were still very talented. They maybe should have gone out and played better in those games. Uh, but I won't doubt that that might have been having sort of weighing heavy on a lot of these players minds about, you know, a lot of them talked about having to relive these these situations and these incidents. So I think it's I, I think it is. Too early to say, based on a couple friendlies, that this team is, uh, this team is is down bad. I think we'll see. I think you're going to have Vlaco through the World Cup, and we'll see kind of how that looks. That'll be a very different scenario. Uh, we've seen this team struggle, and then sort of pull together when it's when it matters. So, um, we'll see. We'll see. Back to the back to the back to the uh, to the Washington Spirit. Um, one thing I think this team needs to look at next year is defensively, and here's why. Uh, I did the math, so I looked at I looked at when they were in winning or tying positions. Uh, this team dropped 12 points over the season. 
so they finished with 19, second from the bottom. 31, I, I tried to see if like it would be enough for them to make the playoffs. Um, and it wouldn't have. Uh, they would have been. They still would have been out of the playoffs. I, I didn't have the time to go through. You know, some of the games and results. Maybe they lower some other team. Maybe they get close. But I think it would have kept them closer. Um, they went 132 days between between their wins this year, from May 10th, May 1st to September 10th. So they did not. So they went several full months before they actually picked up a win. I think it's uh, because I stopped going to the games to cover them. I think that's <laughs> mostly what happened. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was awful to say the least. Um, it was it was awful to say the least. And it was just it just the, the way they lost some of those games. I mean, you just remember you just remember watching. Uh, I mean, the the game that comes to mind, obviously, for me is the game at Segra Field. Uh, I even forgot to say, like Segra Field became a story, I think, in this tournament about how poorly they struggled at Segra Field. Do we think next season? Do we think next season that they will? Because I don't think they've announced it specifically. Do you think they will still have games at Segra Field, yep. or do you think they will be able to finally convince? Nope. You think you think so? They'll, no, they'll be at Segra. I have a friend that's a season ticket holder, and they've already sort of told them to expect some games in Loudon. Wow. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, going to be a uh, going going to be interesting to see how that how that plays over and whether because the NWSL clearly is not happy with the Segra Field situation. Um, I think we've we've had some some well placed sources that have talked about um, how much the NWSL does not does not enjoy uh, Segra when they first started, just with the media setup and everything. Um, it's been it's 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 been pretty bad, and I think it affects the team because the team literally has to bounce between where they don't have a place they can call home. Um, so I, I hope I hope there is some reconsidering and there hope there is some changing. Um, the big hire, I guess you could say, was on the front office staff, like you said. Uh, John sort of late in the season, they hired uh, Mark Kerkorian as president of soccer operations, um, which was and he is from what from what we've been told, Michelle is basically given the keys to him. So he is running the show right now. Um, team continued to struggle throughout the season. I, I mean, it was really like not good soccer um, in a lot of ways. And then came the uh, there was sort of some talk. It was very interesting because there was some talk, I think, between I think me and Doug. And some other guys like, you know, well, like, do we think Chris Ward's job is safe? And I think we're all like, well, you know, it's, we, we haven't heard anything terrible. Uh, the team still did win the championship. It was up. He was given a he was basically put in a position to fail with the schedule, with player absences. You know, they were punished. They were punished for their success relentlessly this year. So I think we all kind of thought, well, yeah, I think he still has a job. Apparently, uh, things things very much were were uh, were breaking down inside inside the spirit camp, and I think like like looking back on some of those games and kind of how the team just kind of led off and some of those performances, um, I'll be curious to see if they get a coach in that can you know remotivate this team if we see a more focused team um, in 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 twenty uh, in twenty twenty in twenty twenty three. Uh, but August twenty six, Chris Ward was let go. Um, apparently according to Stephen golf, this was probably something that was already in the works due to the poor performances. There was already kind of sort of a breakdown in the spirit camp. Uh, he apparently I think was invited to a team retreat and then had that invited recent invite rescinded. Um, apparently they, we, we've gotten different stories from Chris Ward. We've gotten different stories, uh, some stories from the players. The players have refuted Chris Ward's story. Um, he plays it off as a more benign disagreement, maybe him not communicating well enough. They say, no, this was a serious situation. 
and he absolutely deserved to let go. And there, and it's, it really, I think for a lot of fans, I think that was very tough to hear about Chris Ward. I, I know John, he's been on our show. Um, you know, you watched, I think again, it shows, it really shows like the public perception he put on with, with the shirts he would wear, always wear a shirt that would make some sort of statement, um, at, you know, a, a very positive statement. And I think he won over a lot of the, you know, a lot of the supporters. And um, I think maybe <laughs> looking back on it, maybe he knew things weren't going well. So he's like, I got to keep this up. I got to keep the fans on my side because maybe that's my one hope that I can convince, you know, hey, I'm loved by the fans that I can turn this around. Um, apparently that wasn't the case. Uh, you know, sort of several months on, John, I know you, you, you've you had much more difficulty because you've talked to Chris Ward several times. I've been unable to attend those those interviews. Yeah. Any sort of reflection you have on on his sort of dismissal and, and the and, only so only that I'm similar to our MOS situation of weight. I really would love some transparency about what actually occurred and then sort of a finding of fact. And if it's if it's bad enough for termination, is it bad enough to keep him from coaching in the NWSL again? If it's not, can we get a little bit more clarity around that? Um I think it's you know, I think we, I said it at the time, the struggle that I have is that we're getting all, and it's because of good reporting and it's because horrible things happened, but we're getting all this context and, and detail around the men who have done crimes mm-hmm. and, and been coaches. But this situation, we get very little information or conflicting information and we don't get a finding of fact in either way. And it just leads to speculation of of the of of an ex, of the extremes on both sides because of everything else that we've seen everywhere else around the league. So that's that was always my concern, my annoyance at the way the team handled it, the annoyance of the fact that the cl- the players had to once again address it. It's because in a vacuum, you create a situation where fans have to create their own narratives, and the narrative they're going to create because of what they have seen in the past is one that is an extreme bad. And if it is an extreme bad, then tell me, then put the report out. If it's not an extreme bad, if it's just a thing, a fireable offense, a one-time fireable offense, tell me that. I think, you know, what, what do I matter? But it would be, I would like to understand sort of where it all netted out. What actually happened? What kind of, was this a one-time thing? Was it a pattern? Is this who this guy was? Is you know, that's that's what I'd like. And, and it's never going to happen. And I'm just we just have to move on. And the problem, of of course, and no one really cares. It's hard. It's easier to be like, no one cares about Richie Burke's coaching career because the 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 things that have happened since make it like very unsympathetic character in this situation. Like I would like and I think it's fair to him to have some sort of finding of information so he can move on one way or the other. If it's going to be a, if he thinks he can rehab rehabilitate his coaching career then he's got to have this, they've got to have this report come out from the NWSL so he can do that or not, but it, they can't just live in this limbo. I don't think it's fair to anybody. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I will, I will agree. I will agree with that. I think the nature we talk about, I think the, the, the thing we talk about, um, we talk about a lot of these coaches, Rory Dames, Paul Riley. Um, I'm not sure Paul Riley, Paul Riley's story came out before that, but we, we talk a lot about these coaches that got, press release sends offs. We thank you for your service, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it, I think it does at the initially it was like, what, what happened? Because there was none of that. There was a tweet that just said, 
There was not even there was not even a press release to come after that. It was just a tweet that said he's Chris not Ward, the coach anymore. Chris Ward is no longer has been relieved from duties as head coach. Um, and I think that was a a response from the players that the, the team felt that they had to that the these players had been hurt. Um, they mm-hmm. had felt that that he what he did was extremely inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I have no reason to doubt that they said that, that they said we can't. We can't do what we've been doing, which is, you know, when when this happens, we can't do a we thank you for your service, you know, because the players aren't going to take that. It's going to feel like Richie Burke all over again. It's going to feel like everything all over again. So I think they made the decision as a way to say we recognize what he did is inappropriate. He is not getting a, a hero's send off, so to speak, um, <laughs> or, or a send off of any kind of or any a send off of any of kind and I also think he did. He did himself. I think he thought I will go on. I will try to. It's like anything. I will try to clear the air. I'm going to try to, you know, clear the air about what happened. You know, I will take. He tries to take responsibility for what he does, and I think it absolutely backfired on him. And I think the way the the way the players came out, um, I think he hurt him. I think if he if he went away, and you know, he made a statement that said, you know, what I did was inappropriate. I, you know, accept the decision. I will, you know, reflect and, you know, and, and try to be better in the future. I think that might have gone over well. And I think he would maybe find himself another job. Um, but the team didn't give him the space to do that. I, I think, like I was saying, I, I think you're right. I think what happened. Well, was, no, he was, but, but he was given the opportunity. He had an interview. He could have, he could have, I think he, that interview for me lost me a lot of respect for him. The way he came out and really almost did try to downplay. If I remember that interview correctly, really did try to downplay what happened. Um, and the players were very, very upset about that. And we're in this state, we're in the state where I'm like, I believe the players when they say, like, you know, there was a, there was an attempt by Chris Ward to downplay what happened. The only thing he downplayed was what was the nature of the of the of the moving the player off the field. Everything else was. This was this is what happened. I reacted in a way that I don't normally react. And then after the fact, I said, I'm sorry. I will change that. Talking. To, this is what he said. He said, like, I talked to the captain. Most likely it was mostly any that came in there. Like, you're right. That was wrong. I'll stay away from the. I'll stay away from the players retreat this weekend. I want to give you guys space. Uh, you know, I, I won't do it again. That's what he said in the interview. He was like, I, that was a mistake. I won't do that again. I apologize. So, but the way that the players, again, they had to come out, which I think, again, is BS. I think that Mark Corian, instead of, instead of doing what he did when he came out, which is sort of be like, you know, some stuff happened, uh, you know, and we've moved on. Like if he said, you know, the players, we have it on camera, you know, he, 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 it was, it was worse than what he said. It's just, it's, it is a, he said, she said game, but it's not so much. And, and, and saying, you know, believe the players in this point is absolutely fine and right. I think that this seems like. It's one of those things like was a certain thing said or was it a matter of of perspective, right? Like similar, similar to similar to, to MLS. Like, did the thing actually did the, the the word actually get said, or is there is there a confusion in, in in sort of like how it was received? Did he physically menace a player to get off the field, or did he yell in a way that was inappropriate? Like, or, or like, obviously he wanted the player off the field. He got the player off the field. We don't know. And I, I think that the crazy thing is that like in, in only in this situation, we could see it. It was recorded mm-hmm. like vision. The video exists. We could all look at it and be like, oh, that was not okay. Or I can see how that can be misconstrued or 
you know, or something else. Like uh, we could do that, and we're never and we're never going to get the chance to do that. So I I think you you know what you said before about like it was a reflection of what had happened before, and we can't go we we after what happened we cannot go out there and say thank you for your service, Chris. You got to go. I think that 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 part that had nothing to do with him put him in a situation where I think he had to go out and make sure that people didn't think he was Richie Burke. And I think he stepped on his own feet and I think he blew it to your point. I think he, I think he did not do himself any favors and the league has not done him any favors by not the players either. They have everybody else has moved on, but Chris is sitting wherever he's sitting. Um, This is what it is. I have to feel, I have to feel personally that I, I I don't know. Yeah. I, I I don't know if this was, I think this was a definitely a straw that broke the camel's back situation. It would have to be. It'd have to be. That would and make Stephen sense. Goff, Stephen Goff sort of alluded to that. Obviously, the poor performance has been has been discussed about this team. Um, I, I do think there may have been maybe there have been more. As I've stated, I think before, it's really it's real easy to be a coach when things are going well. It is mm-hmm. easiest, not mostly the easiest job in the world, but it's easy uh, when, when when everybody's happy, everything's harmonious. He was stressed. When, when results start to turn and you're suddenly under that pressure, I would not, it seems to me, and, and you have never been in this situation before. It seems to me he did not handle the situation. Well, they, they, I think this was not the first incident. Maybe it didn't, maybe the, it, it, maybe the players could see this kind of coming. They could see the frustration in him. They could see, maybe he did one thing. They were just like, that was weird. That was really off character. Chris, what was that about? And then it just kind of like developed and developed. And then we have that moment. And then they're like, okay, that's it. This is the end. Like this is, this is getting to a point where we're going to have another, like we're, 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 we're reliving what was happening with Richie Burke in this team. So I, I think, I think there was more to this of a coach that is his first hire and it's just been a disaster of a season. And he's, and again, I'm not making excuses for him. He should not. It's very, it seems pretty clear. He should not have reacted the way he reacted. He has taken responsibility for that. I'm not making excuses for him. I'm thinking that this was a, a failing on his part to handle, to handle the pressure. Um, and that, and that's a, that's a failing that, you know, some coaches get, uh, yep. you know, when, when thing when things are going well, as of um, three days ago, he is not on the list of discipline suspended or ineligible coaches at the safe sport. Uh, Rory Dames, Paul Riley are listed as temporarily suspended, uh, Chris temporarily. Ward, yep. Chris Ward, not listed. Richie Burke, not listed. Uh, James Clarson, Amanda Cromwell and Farid Ben, Ben CD uh, from oil rain, not listed on, not included on that list. So that's just, that was as of, as of three days ago. Wow. That's just a lot about safe sport. Yeah. <laughs> it right? says more about safe sport than it does about anything else. Yeah. Um, the team did hire, uh, brought I think they brought in an interim coach pretty soon after may have been a game or two where it was left to sort of the assistant coaching staff. They had an Arbor, um, Albertine Montoya. Um, and the team seemed to pick it up a little bit. They did actually record. They were, had a winning streak and I had to check the tape on this, a four, three win at home against the San Diego wave and a two, nothing win over Gotham, who by the way, They're finished streaking. bottom of the table, <laughs> bottom of the table. So we thought, Okay, maybe they could turn it around. Um, nope. Uh, they then went and lost their next three games. Three three games. Uh, that was their season. Uh, it was a very unceremonious. And I think at that point, after the first loss, I'm pretty sure this team was like, okay, we're done. This is the season's over. Let's just let's just see out the rest of the year. Uh, they registered zero. All their wins came at home. All their wins came at Audi Field. Uh, both their both their their win against uh, Oil Rain, the win against the Wave, and the win against uh, Gotham all came at Audi Field. They registered zero zero road wins. What does that tell you, by the way, Ted? 
What is that? Do you draw anything from that? I mean, I draw from the first fact that, you know, that clearly Audi Field on a grass field in a stadium, they are very comfortable playing there and they and they can show that they can elevate their game when they're in front of those fans. And it's very clear, like when they go to Segra Field, they've struggled and they look bad. And uh, when, on the road, I think it's I think I, I think that's a I think that's an indictment of mentality. I think yeah. if you can only win at like the best location at home in front of the most amount of fans, that's about that's about the space between your ears, unfortunately. So that whoever, whatever coach comes in next has to look at that and say, you know, 15 variables why the season went the way it did. The 16th one is mentality was not there to be able to get points on the road and, and, and turn things around. And and you meant and I don't know if you mentioned this stat already. I think you probably already did about the number of points lost from from yeah, 12 points, 12 points. That I mean that in a in a league that's so tight, uh, that's just I mean that that's death right there. That's that's death. And I think that's going to be the ultimate question for the coach coming in next year. Let's get into our discussion, yeah, um, of next season, uh, talking about what the roster looks like. Obviously, we'll start at the top. Trinity Rodman's definitely going to be here next year. I think we should keep her. I think I think that yeah, keep she's her. she's she's a good talent, and she was sort of I think she was um, the one player who I thought through most of the games looked the most consistent. Uh, was most consistently when she was out there, yep. she was a presence in that game. And I thought she, she, despite the poor play sort of overall from the team, she was one player that, that definitely stood out and was, she and invigorated them. She invigorated them when they came at the beginning of the season before they left. I think she had some games where she wasn't at her peak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when she came back from national team duty, every time she was on the field, she was uh, absolutely dominant. Yep. yep. I would agree. Um, next up on the list, Tiana Alexander. I believe she is gone. She, she gone. She's gone, so not here this year. Taylor Almar, she she struggled the first part of the season. Um, I, I remember her not having the best performances. Uh, so I'm I am I am all for looking for maybe an option to improve. Um, Jordan Baggett probably I'd a keep, big. I'd keep her by the way. You'd keep uh, Almar. Yep, I would. I think I think you can find something else. Um, Jordan Baggett uh, obviously suffering the horrific head injury. Um, she is in the last year of her contract. I think she will stick around. I think as long uh, as they think, and I would move on from her. <laughs> I think, okay. I think she's, she's had a, she's had a, a really weird injury history, not, you know, mm-hmm. concussion, notwithstanding uh, a hip injury that took her out for an entire year. I think, you know, the previous sort of midfield of Baggett and Bailey or, or, or Sullivan, when they were able to get on the field, did not turn the world on fire the way they did in 2019. So I, in a league where they are so salary cap constrained, I would be curious if they don't look at the free agency midfield situation and see if there's maybe a player to plug in for one of those roles. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm looking at the his, injury history. It's hard. We'll get to another player who was injured last mm-hmm. season. No, I don't think ever made an appearance. Um, by the way, I think I'm, I think I'm confusing for some reason, Taylor and Amber Brooks, uh, I saw her down the list. She's the one I'm actually maybe more critical of. Um, Bogalski, Coming up, defensive player. I, I honestly, I, it's gonna be tough for me to to want to keep many of these defensive players uh, with with how the the losing from winning positions. I think speaks a lot to this team's defensive performance this year, uh, which is quite simply not good enough. So I am I give it to her also. Yeah, so I think I would let go. Amber Brooks, I would let go. Um, I think that's that's pretty obvious. I. I so now I I will I she had an impressive last five or six games of the season. She is uh the elder statesman of the of the team, had 150 her 150th start. 
Uh, not including, and I'm not just saying maybe keep her for the double birds and the and the and the two goals. That's true. I forgot about. I did forget about that moment. That was I so think pretty. <laughs> if she, she played too much this year, I don't think I don't think she should have played as much as she did. It was a situation of injuries. If she is a third or fourth person center back rotation, absolutely keep her. I think I think she's got. She has. Uh, she got multiple red cards this season. She had games where she was poor. She had games where she was okay. Um, I don't know. I would. We'll see what else is out there. I would potentially keep her as long as I would. She was not in the starting eleven ever, yeah. <laughs> or very occasionally. Uh, yeah. Um, next up, uh, Avery Collins. I don't remember much about her. I don't actually. She came back from injury at the beginning of the season. She was recovering from an ACL. She played very, very sparingly. Uh, I think probably move on from her. Yeah, most definitely. Morgan Goff. I, oh, she's gone. That's right. Morgan Goff is no longer Retired. here. Yes. Yep. Uh, Audrey Harding. Yeah. I think I'd move on. Did not get a lot of playing time, even in sort of situation. She did not look super confident. I think they need to look to bring in new blood on the attacking side mm-hmm. beyond the to the top tier because I don't think any of the players really, um, really made an impact. So I would say probably move on from her. She is how old is she? She is very young, I believe. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me, but I think she's, right. she was drafted in 2021. So, so she's been in the league now for two years. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go through the next list because I think this is all at least the next three or four, at least are keep uh, a- Ashley Hatch. Keep obviously Has another and, year left on her extension. Yep. Um, and then uh, Anna Halfordy keep. I think you keep her. Yep. Um, oh, I think for she, sure. she was very good. Devin Kerr, I think you keep as a, a solid backup option to Kingsbury. And of course, Aubrey Kingsbury, I think you keep. I think you actually consider giving Devin Kerr some more run uh, next season. Really? I think I do. Uh, and not because of, and not really because of, I, I think she is, she progressed this year and Kingsbury regressed a little bit from, mm-hmm. from sort of her. And I think part of that is the life of a third string goalkeeper. I think it, I think she was not sharp when she came back. Uh, she was not the dominant goalkeeper. She was in, in, in the previous year in 2021. Um, so I think you have to think about, Kingsbury is uh, not old by any means, but she's over 30 and I don't know how long she's want to want is going to want to play. So I think that maybe you need to start considering is Devin Kerr, maybe a goalkeeper of the future. And if she is give her more than, you know, two or three starts a game. I don't, she, she was not great, but I think she improved and we have to, I have to see what she's, what she's all about. Or, and if it's not, and if it's not going to work out, then we need to select another goalkeeper in the draft and keep it moving. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. I, I I think we could could get a bounce back beer year from her. So. I hope so. Um, Aaliyah, Aaliyah Martin. I think it's Aaliyah. I have, Martin. I have yeah. I have no I have no uh, no memory of her season. So yeah, I will yeah. say I, I think she is young and probably costs extremely little. So maybe she's a developmental so, player. Um, Tara McKeown, I think keep keep. She keep. is she has gotten finally at the end of the season. She has got to the place. Where if I see Ashley Hash not playing, I think that it's still possible that we score a goal. Uh, before she sort of got that confidence in the season, if Hatch was out, I did not think we would score. And this year we didn't. But it, it, it's good to have another forward that has the scoring touch and the confidence that's required to score in this league. Uh, next up on the list uh, is Kelly O'Hara. I think it is time time to say uh, sayonara to Kelly O'Hara. Yep. Definitely looked like she is. She's lost step. Here's talented an interesting player, one. talented player, mm-hmm. uh, but a player that is uh, probably more than costing more than her contribution when or the time she's able to stay on the field. 
I, I could see her still getting an opportunity on a team that maybe isn't as salary capped constrained as we are. Uh, that maybe she might be a, a solid option to get a, give a fresh start. Maybe she doesn't have to play all the time. But does uh, she, she even want to relocate at 34 and she sort of settled? I know that her family is here. So maybe that's it's like here or nowhere. I don't know. Honestly, maybe if this maybe and maybe she stays on, maybe, maybe she doesn't get I think that could keep her here. Um, I think her role will probably be reduced on this team. Um, next up on the list, uh, Julia Rotter free agent. Mm-hmm. I'd keep her. I think she has yeah. amazing. She's one of the few players that has actual, uh, positional versatility. She's a, she's a very good defensive midfielder. She can play center back in a pinch. She got pushed out to wing to, to outside back a couple times. I did not like her out there. Uh, but she is young enough. She does not, I mean, she's 30. Uh, she does not get called in for international duty every time like the U S players do. So I think if you can manage to keep her around, and not have her start. There are a bunch of, there are a number of players who, if they're not in the starting lineup, but are available off the bench, I think that they make this team extremely impactful. And Julie Rotter is a great rotational player. I would keep her if you can afford her. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. Uh, I, I looked this up. I saw Karina Rodriguez and I had to look this up. Um, that age that no, they have her right. at, <laughs> that's not right. She is, she is 23. See, I, I really wanted, I really wanted Karina Rodriguez to do well. Um, yeah. But I, I, I don't know how, she she has not made the leaps I think that I kind of expected maybe expected her this year I think this might be a case where you look elsewhere to try to yep. improve yep uh, agree Ashley Sanchez uh, certainly certainly keep she's uh, got Emily- two two years left and an option in 2025 so yeah. that is a player obvious she's she's under contract longer than any other player except for Trinity Rodman yeah so I think definitely definitely keep Emily Sonnet one year left on her contract. I, I think um, she'll stick around. I think she probably will too. I hate the World Cup. I hate yeah. <laughs> I hate the fact that you're gonna you're gonna get you know you're you signed here to a two year deal. You gave up a first round draft pick for it, and what do you get out of it? Really? Yeah. And the, the end of the and the end of the calculus. A player that was missing for most of the season or was injured, uh, and now same story here. So we'll see. Uh, is Emily Sonnet still a nailed on every game, every time call up for the national team? I think defensively, I think she is right. Yeah. I mean, I I think she still will be probably a part of the roster. It'd be curious to see some of these players. A lot of these players have gotten call ups because they were, you know, the, the, I think the U S I think the spirit struggled a lot with these call ups because it was essentially, um, uh, the U S women's national team coach trying to figure out, you know, who, who's going to be my world cup team. Who's going to be on that roster, much more limited roster when it comes to the world cup, different decisions. We obviously will have some players like Kristen press coming back from injury. Um, so I think that might make the calculus a little different. I mean, do you, does Ashley Sanchez, I think, I think, I think, uh, Trinity Robin will be there, but I mean, Ashley Sanchez, does she make the roster or is she close she, to the cut? I think she does, man. I think that Vlaco liked sort of what she gave. Mm-hmm. She she was playing with like incredible bags of confidence uh, in that in that uh, that midseason tournament. So I would I would expect to lose her. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think well, but, maybe not. Like you said, it's about it's yeah. about who else is available and what they need to fill. But yeah, maybe also you look at you know Kristen Press coming back. Does Ashley Hatch? you know, make the, make the team. So I think, I, I think the loss will not be as bad for the world cup as it was. And I think that's just due to the roster constraints and sort of, I think he was trying, these players were called in because Vlaco wanted to look and he wanted to know what, who he was, uh, 
who he had in some of these players. And I think he'll like some. And I think eventually it's going to come down to how talented the U.S. women's national team is versus how many World Cup roster spots. Obviously, I still love it if all seven of them still made it. Um, Ashley Hatch would be so, so like hard done by <laughs> if she does like all she did was score goals yeah uh, for, for even 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 in this bad season she was still like i think near the top in, in goal scoring like she still put the ball in the Nine back goals. of the net yeah i mean that's not certainly a great start rate but she was gone for some of it as well considering national team call-ups and everything like that um sam stop i'm gonna say I, i'm surprised by how many defenders i'm actually saying like i want to i want to see back next year i think i want to keep sam stop yeah, man. Sam Stop yeah. played every minute of the every minute of the season, which you cannot say about any other player. I mm-hmm. think that she and I said this, I believe, to Angus and somewhere in a Discord, but like she was in a similar way to Steve Birnbaum, like she is uh done no favors by not having a strong partner and sort mm-hmm. of being out there. And she was it. She had to pull all the weight for for much of the season. And uh, she was able to stay on the field. I don't think she would classify her performance as uh, as great this season, particularly compared to last season. But I think that you obviously going to build around her. She's the defender that's that's going to be here if they want, if she wants, and they want you know beyond a year. So <laughs> she's you got to build around her. She's she's the only thing that you got as a young player. So you got to do what you got to do there. Yeah. And uh, next on the list and final player on the list is Andy Sullivan, at least on not on the season ending injury list. Uh, definitely keep. I don't think there's any any doubt about that. No, there's not. Uh, um, next two players who are on the season ending injury list, Tori Huster, um, who unfortunately at 33 years old, I she suffered, obviously, the injury during the playoff uh, during the playoffs last season um, in 2021 and did not really make an appearance. I think we're going to hear. I think we're if she didn't play at all this year, do we expect her back next year? Um, or do you look? To I think she'll open? play. I think she's going to be driven to okay. play. Uh, and if she does, uh, you know, Achilles is such a devastating yeah. injury. It's very it'll be very curious to see what she can do when she comes back. I think look no further. And we didn't actually say her name because we skipped it. Billy Feist. Look, no, look, oh, no further from a player who came back from a, an injury and did not look the same. I think Tori Huster will be given a chance to play if she wants. And I think if she doesn't, if this team does not keep her on as an assistant coach, the entire front office should be liquidated. Like yeah. that, that is a player who absolutely, if she wants it would be excellent in that position. So we'll see. I hope, I hope she can make a comeback because this team actually like, you know, before she was injured, she yeah. was extremely impactful uh, uh, on the championship side before she got hurt. And this team managed to like make it through the playoffs, but she was sorely missed. I think this year um, on the field, just yep. what she brings on the field. Um, wanted to say I did miss Bailey Feist, but I think we're all on on keep Bailey Feist. I, I think that's. I think unless you can find a player in the free agency list that you know for sure what they're going to be able to give you, I think I think if Bailey Feist uh, repeats what her output was of this season, then you've got to move on. ACL takes sometimes twelve months to recover from, like from mm-hmm. getting back on the field. So theoretically, next year is is back to Bailey Feist Terminator time. But if it's not, I, I would I would certainly move on. Gabby Vincent, one other player who was on the season injury inter, season ending injury list. She was. I look back. She was a player that cost us a draft pick and allocation money. the The goal when she was here was going to be to be proto Andy Sullivan when Andy Sullivan was hurt or gone on international duty, and she was not. She was hurt much of the season. Uh, just sort of, I think. Like leg, lower leg muscle injuries, I believe, was the, the situation there. So 
Uh, I think you 24 year old player. They have a high hopes on who I believe is probably under contract uh, as an option. So they'll, they'll probably keep her. There were, I think you, you have to hope she comes back. You have to hope that she comes, yeah. that she can come back. I mean, 24, plenty, plenty of, plenty of time in there. I think she'll, I think she'll be back next year. And I mean, that's, you talk about certain players that very clearly just nothing went to plan. Like Gabby Vincent was supposed to fill in for Andy Sullivan and she gets hurt and injured. And I'd be here. I'm trying, I was trying to find when she got hurt. Exactly. Jordan um, Baggett was supposed to be a player that was going to be able to contribute. She gets her brain scrambled and Dorian Bailey was coming back from injury coming back from a, a, a 2021 where she was extremely effective with Andy Sullivan and this season, not so much. Yeah. Uh, so we, we did not include Nicole Barnhart, who is 41. Uh, that is a no. We will not be seeing her back. Uh, and also Cameron Bogalski, who was sort of like an emergency. It was ended up being, I, I haven't checked us how many games she played uh, at right back, but she, she played quite a, quite a bit of games, uh, probably more than was intended by, uh, by any of the coaches. So uh, let's see how many games did she play? She played 17 matches this season. Shoot. So, she was she she had little competition at right back and left back, so she was able to get in most games. And Footmob put her at a seven seven point oh two for the entire season. Footmob very generous to the NWSL. I think I think that they, <laughs> I think they over I think they overgrade uh, or over index for NWSL. All right, and uh, wanted to also say Gabby Vincent. I think her she I have her on the forty five day disabled list starting on May first. So I don't think she ever really recovered or really got back onto the field. So we I don't think we saw her at all this year. She played. Oh, wow. She played a couple games at the end of the season uh, at at uh, at Segra, but at Segra. not. But certainly, but not very. You know, not what they thought she was going to be able. Like she, she was talked about as like, you know, big big contributor. She played one match. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. the one match that I saw. Yeah, and I think I think it's more of a it's bad luck. I think it's what I think it's what is what we have. What we have learned here has just been has just been bad luck. So maybe that luck turns around next year. Um, okay, hearing all this, John, seeing the contracts. Yeah. How are you feeling about next season? Just give me overall, overall end of season. We all, we know what we're thinking about with DC, but like, what are you feeling about with the spirit? I, I may be leaving this a little bit more positive than I thought I was. I thought this, I was like, this team has a lot of work. I think they have more work. I think everybody is still thinking that, you know, this team has a young core of offensive players that are also going to miss time for, for the world cup that they need more help on the defense. They think they do. They need to figure out sort of the middle of their roster needs to be strong. And it was not strong this year, but I'm leaving maybe thinking maybe it's kind of all mostly there. Maybe you just need a couple pieces that enhance this team um, to make it, to make it better. Um, I'm feeling positive that this team is going to have a bounce back year next year. What do you think? I, I am not, I am, I am extremely concerned about this league. Uh, Obviously, we talked about the fact you cannot predict preseason rankings in the NWSL. You will look like an absolute fool every single time you do it. Uh, I know that we thought Gotham was going to be good, <laughs> and and there they are, uh, the worst team in the league, almost, I think, historically. Um, I think the rest of the league has just gotten really good, and I think that in a World Cup year, this is going to be a similar, we're going to have a similar situation to last year with at least potentially a more spread out uh, schedule at the onset of the year. But it's going to be the same thing where we're going to be relying upon. I know they're taking a break, I believe, for some part of the World Cup, but I don't mm-hmm. think for all of it. So and then after that, they're going to be fatigued. They're going to need a break. They're going to have just played an enormous amount of games, some of them in, in a long amount of time. So uh, I, I am I am concerned again. There are the clubs that were doormats. Kansas City Current is in the NWSL championship on Saturday. That's a team you and I talked about every time they played like, all right, well, that's three points. we got to make sure that's that's a guarantee. 
Racing Louisville got better towards the end of the season. I don't think they're I don't think they're done improving their roster. Angel City's gonna be better next year. Kristen Press is gonna be available and actually play. Yeah. I, I think I think your statement about the current being doormats. We were a doormat this year. So yeah, that was us. <laughs> that was us. Um, and I think, but we, but what I think we have is we know that this team has the ability and the talent to, to certainly rise above that. Like this is not a team starting from square zero For sure. and, and how quickly, how quickly you can sort of turn, turn around your fortunes in this league, with just one or two good signings. So, I don't I know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm positive we're going to have a better year. I don't know if we'll be top of the table, but I think we'll make playoffs next year. If I'm looking at the table right now, I think that we have a more talented roster than Gotham. We have a more, ta- we have a much more talented roster than Orlando, better than Louisville, better than Angel City. I would say on par with Courage. Courage added some attacking players, and then you know the re- the, the the clubs at the top of the table, I think are who they are. Right? Like I think OL Rain is stacked. More than the spirit are. The spirit are are four deep in their stacking, and then it and, and then it sort of becomes less because again, Kelly O'Hara and Emily Sonnet are ostensibly national team players, but they did not perform that way, uh, you know, for for the club side. So it's uh, you know, Portland is Portland. San Diego Wave had an amazing season. Alex Morgan was Alex Morgan, sort of like she had she had the comeback from from pregnancy that Crystal Dunn is now after she scored her worldie to win the game in stoppage time. Um, and you know, Kansas city current again, like they just went on a run on the end of the end of the season and all of the players, I like, that's a team that I don't think if you looked at the roster, you'd say is more talented than the spirit, but that, that was a, you know, some of the parts situation. That was a 2021 spirit run for, for Kansas city that gets them there. So yeah, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I, 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 I hear you. I think that they're, the talent is there. I am so concerned about the depth and they're going to have to do so much work moving and you know not with lots of money but sort of like making gambles making low price gambles and having them sort of turn out to players that can contribute i think that's where they find themselves yeah and, and we'll see i mean this is as we talked about earlier um uh mark krikorian i'm gonna have such a problem pronouncing trying to pronounce Kri- that name. Kri- mark krikorian mark krikorian uh is running the show right now so i think this is this is a case of what does he bring uh you know a lot of people speculated he might become the coach he has stated nope doesn't want that wants to be wants to do this job so um we'll see we'll see what that brings the team um and i think i'll like i just to add one more point i think like you said you know we always play all of these players look like they're good i mean we were we were probably considered one of those teams last year and we completely fell off a cliff i think there's plenty of teams here that could have great seasons and then absolutely fall the cliff keep keep an eye out on i i if i had to pick a team to regress I would say keep an eye on Portland with what's happened, with what's going on in the ownership situation, with maybe who wants to be back, who wants to come back there, who wants to trust this ownership decision to actually, you know, make the right hires. I know it's still a considered a big city and everybody that's the that's the club everybody wants to wants to go to. I just keep keep an eye on sort of that whole situation and how that develops and whether we see something, maybe sort of a shift in the waves there that might cause that team to regress a little bit um, or come down. So we'll see. I, I think good. Houston's your good candidate to not, not be fourth in the table next year. I think yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think that's, that's potentially, potentially a good bet there. And also I think some of these expansion teams, I think did very well. And I think you'll see them maybe regress a little bit as well. Is there a new um, one coming next year or we have, that we have a year off? I don't, I don't, they always, I mean, 
I'm pretty sure I'm, I know um, like San Diego was the big, I know um, LA was the big one, but I feel like, like, like San Diego just kind of appeared very quickly. If I remember correctly, I mean, they I think took, it was during, they, they took the Sacramento uh, thing that was supposed right. to be next year. And they said, we're ready now. Thank you. Yeah. So I, th- I think there is no expansion coming. There's nothing, there's nothing done. There's interest in Austin, San Jose, in the Bay Area. The Bay Area is one that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And and Utah Royals probably are going to come back, but that's not next season. So, yeah, I let me just say, I think there is a good chance that they could put together if there was something sort of a turnkey one like the Utah Royals would not be surprised if they say, yep, they're having an expansion and they're ready to roll right now that because be they already have the stadium. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> would but be very NWSO. Yeah, very NWSL. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this episode. And I think this season of Kindred Spirits, Spirits, I think this one we can feel confident is going to be hopefully fairly quiet um, heading into the heading into heading into the new year. Um, Who's your your final? Who's your final pick? Portland. I'm going to go Kansas City Current. I'm going I'm going 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 pick. I'm going underdog. I'm going vibes. Um, It's pay. It's it's at uh, it's at um, uh, Audi Field, I think. There, I think there has to be some displays possibly going on related to the um, Portland ownership. Not sure how that's going to play, but I'm going underdog pick. I think you look, you look at, you look at the the last championship game. Um, the you know Spirit were the underdogs. I think to Chicago at that time, and I think the Spirit came out and and picked up the victory. So, and the a team in Chicago too, they struggled struggled against. So, I'm going underdog. I think I think uh, the current will meet the moment. I think they have. The more prosperous future with their ownership that seems very co- motivated to them. So I'm going. I got, I got Portland as the Death Star. I think that they're going to I think they're going to make it happen. So we'll, we'll see. see on Saturday. We'll see. All right. That's going to do it. Thank you all so much for listening. We will catch you guys next season. Vamos. Vamos. Done, done. All right.